This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. The Big Interview with Offscript. I'm actually, uh, this is uh, one of my favourite interviews I've done for a long time, this. This is with Matt Wright, Crocodile Wrangler. He is the star of National Geographic's Outback Wrangler and on Netflix right now there's a great show called Wild Croc Territory. I've watched the entire season. I think it's brilliant. It's great TV. Um, It's basically Matt wrestling and relocating numerous large crocodiles and you see little glimpses of his family life as well it's really well done uh, and it's very funny he runs the famous um, top end safari camp in australia's northern territory and when he's not running adventure tours and looking after his resident crocodiles he is the go-to wrangler for any cattle farmer in the northern territory with a croc problem this croc probably weighs in excess of a ton so they're using the truck's winch to drag him out of the mud Doug, he's on the winch there. We're just going to winch him up, try and get him out of this slop. (laughs) I mean, it is quite amazing how rudimentary the tools that these guys use. You think they're going to fire a tranquilizer dart and then get like a one of these sort of, you know, kind of stanchions that come down or fort. No, it's none of that. They've got a chopper some duct tape and some rope, and that's about it. Uh, and it's actually watching it, you marvel at the skill level that these guys have, flying through dense vegetation into kind of swamps and ponds and rivers, using like a helicopter to li- airlift these crocodiles away from where they're causing a problem and then relocating them somewhere safely or without tranquilizing them. It's astonishing. And it's usually Matt and a couple of other guys in, in this show in particular, Chris Willow Wilson, Jocko, and Matt's brother-in-law, Finn, who's like the rookie croc wrangler who they kind of all make fun of and then he eventually towards the end of the season he sort of earns his stripes but the job is simple capture and contain a large saltwater crocodile which is like five meters in length it weighs about a ton it's got zero interest in cooperating quietly uh they wrangle their crocs using a steel trap a rope duct tape an airboat and a transportation net with matt's trademark chopper And this is a job where one wrong move could land you in the enormous jaws of one of the planet's most powerful and terrifying predators. Here's Matt and his croc that he's got at his top-end safari camp, Tripod. This crocodile is massive. He's probably about 80, 90, 90-year-old. You know, you can just hear the power in his jaws here. See that? Massive. Just unbelievable pressure coming down like that. And you do not want to get caught in that. As a kid, I wanted an uh, eight-foot python. Now I'm a bit older, I get a 17-foot crocodile. <laughs> He's a good boy, but he would eat me in a heartbeat. <laughs> so Aussie. So Aussie. He was patting him on the back, man. He's a good boy. But he would eat me in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, it's not just wall-to-wall croc wrangling, though, the show. Matt and his wife, Kaya, have a toddler son called Banjo. And the show also documents their life together. And Matt's got a successful business. He's got half a million Instagram followers. He's got a new Netflix show. He's got a huge profile. Go on, Chris. The son is Banjo. The son is Banjo. He's three years of age and he's fearless. He's already a croc wrangler in waiting. Right, how did it all start for Matt Wright? Well, I started a lot, long time before social media and all that sort of stuff, even phones, even, you know, I I started with a handy cam. um, But before all that, I was a young fella on on properties as a kid and I was always catching and removing some of the world's deadliest snakes from 
as far back as I could remember. Mum tells the story of it now, of, you know, me bringing some deadly snakes home at six years old. That is now turned into a pretty big passion job, you could call it, where we now catch and relocate some of the biggest crocs in the world. And to start filming, well, that was just a harebrained idea to, <laughs> to show some friends and family down south that <clears throat> this is what we do up north. We fly choppers, catch some wild cattle and, and rope a few crocodiles at the same time. And it was the outback life and I loved it, but no one really understood it in Australia. So I wanted to showcase that and to showcase it, I, I started filming a bit of it and putting together little show reels. And from that, I met a few people in Sydney, my, my manager now, Nick Fordham, and he saw the potential behind it and said, I reckon we can show this to the world if that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's as simple as that, really. Uh, yeah, no airs or graces with Matt. Think about this. A five-metre, one-tonne crocodile which is submerged in a murky pond and you do not know where it is, okay? You know it's somewhere, but you don't know where it is. You've got to move it from point A to point B and it doesn't want to be moved. I mean, it's... it's quite a logistical nightmare. I can't even conceive of it. You did show me a video of a croc about that size earlier and it is just... I can't believe how close he manages to get to it and how close mm. he has to get to it to do his work. He's, he actually swims with them. We're going to hear Ooh. more on that. But, I mean, if ever there was an animal that would appear to be most probable, I, I struggle with my cat at times, but to, <laughs> to actually move from point A to point B would be this enormous crocodile. So I asked, is there a handbook that all prospective croc wranglers must read, a list of do's and don'ts maybe? How does Matt and his team coerce a monster croc without, and this is key, without tranquilizing it? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely no handbook. We've uh, we get a lot of uh, young people asking about what school do I go to? What do I need to study? What, you know, and I'm like, I, I, I can't help you. Like, I really don't know where you're going to learn these skills and and how you're going to become a animal wrangler, wrestler, whatever you want to call it, relocator, wildlife warrior. There's so many different names and uh, that, that go with this job and there isn't a handbook and you grow up around wildlife, you respect the environment and the wildlife that, that live within it and the best I can do to help and protect that is is catch these crocs and move them so they don't get uh, shot by uh, people. When you are interacting with an animal where one mistake can be fatal, and, and as you say, there's no tried and tested method to this, a lot of it, it seems to me, you're using your intuition. Uh, how yeah. do you, how do you, by trial and error, learn what works? Learn to read a certain situation and actually make a calculated decision. That comes with experience. I can fly over. I can see areas, work out where to put a trap, how to trap, how to set it, and pretty much most of the time catch a decent sized crocodile within a few days. Then the capture <clears throat> side of things, the, the restraint side of things, comes into play. And knowing that comes with just experience, really, knowing that if you approach a crocodile here or animal in this sort of way, it's going to react this way. And that's why I always try and teach the boys how to work around these crocs not to get hurt. And that's not to say that we don't get hurt. I've had my, leg, my legs broken before and you, you do get um, caught off guard at times. But it is literally just experience, knowing the animal, and uh, working with that animal and knowing how it's going to react. Yeah, the old leg break. You know? Yeah, exactly. Legs broken. How do you get away from that? I mean, once the croc is after you enough to break your legs and succeeds in doing that, 
Yeah. How then do you manage to escape that situation? I have many questions. <laughs> Listen, I put it to Matt that he must have been in some tight spots where he felt kind of, let's be honest, in a significant degree of danger. Were there any that sprung to mind? Probably the last 20 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> is, there what, is there one moment where you thought, I, I'm, go- I'm a goner here? Oh, I'm an absolute no, goner. No, you don't think of it that way. Like when you, you know, I don't know, when, when you're faced in that situation, which I've seen time after time again, could be driving your car and you have a close call or, you, you know, a crocodile could grab your boat, turn it upside down in the middle of the night and you got to swim to the bank, you know, you, you sort of, you just like, you're in, fl- you're in flight mode. You just, you react quick and you get out of there quickly. That's, that's it. You don't think about that there's a close call right there. And then afterwards you look back and you're like, yeah, that was pretty close. <laughs> Sit down and have a beer and worry about the next day. Yeah, for a croc wrangler, it is important. You get in quickly. And you get it. Yes, you do. Yeah, as well. It's a good philosophy for life. That Uh, now for us folk who will never come face to face with one of nature's scariest, most primitive predators, I wanted Matt to put into his own words the strength of an adult male. They call them salties, and he did not disappoint with his description. All right, say a seventeen-foot croc. Its head taped and restrained. If it swung its head around. You think about a log or, or, I don't know, maybe five, six sledgehammers coming at you in one hit, getting swung at full tilt. It's That's what it would feel like getting hit by one of these crocs. That's with its head taped up. If it was to grab you with its jaws, it would literally, if it grabbed you in the chest, it would crush you that quickly. Your intestines and everything, would one would go one side and the other would come out your mouth. Like, that's how quick I've seen it happen. With a pig's, you know, a skull, a big pig, big boar head of a skull, I'll, I'll throw that to a, one of my big crocs and they just crush it like a tic tac. Its brains literally explode out the top of its head. Like, it's just, yeah, like a water balloon. It just, it's unbelievable the power. And then its tail. I've got flicked by about a 12, 13 foot croc um, and it, it launched me straight up probably eight, nine foot in the air. That was just its tail, and I came down and landed on my head. Where was the warning on that one, Where was the warning on that? Yeah, I probably should have for the sensitive disposition among you. Probably should have given a warning. Testing's going one way, (laughs) it rains on the other. other. I thought that was an excellent description. It was. You can really visualise it, can't you? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, (laughs) An undoubted highlight of Matt's show is the names that he comes up for for, for his uh, crocodiles. He's got a three-legged one at the top-end safari camp called Tripod. Hello. Um, If you're lucky, you might get personally introduced by Matt. And no self-respecting croc wrangler would be complete without their special pet. Tripod, meet Pete. Pete, meet Tripod. Tripod, don't eat Pete. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat Pete. Uh, one is missing the top half of his jaw. He's called Underbite. Um, in episode one, he tangles with a monster called Beef Cheeks. Love it. Later, we meet Bone Cruncher, Fluffy, Roadkill, and Bait Robber. And this is an incredible clip of Matt frolicking around in a pond. It's on YouTube with Bone Cruncher. Okay, this one's Bone Cruncher. Enough. He's what? Three and a half, four meters. There you go. 
little bit handicapped underneath his mouth there. He's had his jaw totally ripped off by another croc. Come on, up you come. He knows my behaviour and I know his. Now it's a beautiful thing, but it's only a one in a million thing that ever happens with a human and a crocodile. So guys, don't go up to a crocodile, a saltwater crocodile in the wild and think that you can do this. You lose an arm or your life in a heartbeat. I mean, he's playing with a crocodile. He's playing yeah. with a crocodile, a wild one in the water, in the pond. Yeah, I heard him splashing around. Yeah, yeah, he's like he of, had this little puppy dog with yeah, him. Yeah, like a little yeah. puppy dog. Yeah, and he's kind of patting it as well, like a puppy dog. Uh, sad news, actually. Bone Cruncher is no longer with us. Um, but as Matt explains here, he was a unique croc in that he was actually a sociable fella who played nicely to a point, as you just heard there, with people. Bone Cruncher got his name from the Nitro Circus boys that came over. They were over hanging out one day and they're like, what's his name? I'm like, I don't know. You guys name him. They named him Bone Cruncher. And probably because they always crunch their bones when they're, when they're riding their, their uh, motorbikes. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, he's been with us for 10 years and, um, yeah, he, he'd lost his life there with another, with another crocodile, killed him. And, yeah, very sad day. He was a wild animal, wasn't he? He was a wild animal. Yeah, he was. They- he was. And I got a lot of feedback about, why didn't you move him out? You knew he was sick. You knew like he was handicapped. It's not my place to interfere. If he's not a danger, um, I would love to move him out. He was also in an area where it made it hard to get permits to move him out of. So we, we couldn't really move him out of there, even if we wanted to. So unfortunately, you know, nature took its course and that's that's what happens to these animals in the wild. And it is sad. We can't protect them all. We do try. But um, that's... That's just the dice that got rolled for old Bone Cruncher. That's uh, sad news. Uh, yeah, he um, and actually he appears in the first episode of the show. He's a he's a lovely croc. Yeah. How much of the show have you watched? Have you managed the whole to watch? Thing. You have. Yeah, okay. I've watched the whole thing. It's fantastic. Right. Absolutely love it. And they always end on a cliffhanger. And you have to then, it's one of those high octane shows where each episode's like 20, 25 minutes and you, you can't not click on the next episode because right. he's dangling and there's this big crocodile <laughs> about to sort of snap down. Uh, but yeah, it's a great show. Really enjoyed it. And um, crocodiles are so primitive and they're so kind of removed from where we are you know they they first arrived crocodilians first appeared 95 million years ago crocodiles themselves um separated from that evolutionary branch 55 million years ago so the crocodiles that we have here on this planet today are 55 million years they go back t-rex is 66 million years that's how long that's how primitive they are living dinosaurs and I asked Matt, how is it possible to have any kind of relationship? He was frolicking with Bone Cruncher. You know, how can you kind of have a rapport with a crocodile? Yeah, great question, because I don't really know the answer to that. I just, I feel it. I know, and I do work with a lot of crocs, and I've got a lot of crocs in the wild that I can work with. Not like, oh, big ones as well, but you, you can't tame them. You can understand them and respect them. But knowing their habits and how they're going to react, I've got one over on the Tiwi Islands where we've got that lodge and in the right time of the year when the water's clear, um, I'll get in the water with her and she'll swim straight up to me and I'll just put my hand up like that to tell her to stop and she'll stop. And she, like, she's still a 10-foot crocodile and she'll just stop there. But now 
I got in the other day when I was back there, but there was about three other crocodiles that were a bit feisty and I had to have a stick because they were coming in on the sides. And, and then the sharks, we've got big bull sharks coming in, so it's not it's not a safe place to be going anymore. <laughs> so I sort of I sort of don't do that too much anymore because all the other predators come in for a quick quick nibble while I'm there. I can, I can understand that. I can totally understand that. I mean, shark attacks, particularly in Australia, they're pretty well documented, Matt. Are crocodile attacks, are they yeah. incredibly rare? Do they happen in the Northern Territories? It, it comes down to people's stupidity, really. They go swimming in areas where they shouldn't be do stupid stuff in crocodile-infested waters, and at the end of the day, the crocodile pays the price. So, yes, someone will lose their life, but what happens then is about between five to ten other crocs will get shot in that same area at the time because one person got eaten. So, you know, and that's we a lot of what we do is educating people. One, don't get in the water with crocodiles. Um, don't swim in areas where you shouldn't swim in northern Australia and um, respect the, the wildlife and the crocs. And, you know, that's a massive message that we try and throw out there because we don't want to see our crocs get shot because someone's done something stupid. Common sense, really. I, yeah. I wouldn't swim anywhere in Australia, let alone the Northern Territories. And yet he does. Yeah, well, he does. He flies yes. in the face of that he, advice. He kind of does, uh, but he also has all that experience on his side. And I want to just finally, his show launched Outback Wrangler over 10 years ago, back in 2011, and I wanted to gauge on how crocodile numbers have fared in the last decade. Croc numbers are good. They're, they're great. Like back in the early 80s, um, late 70s, there was potentially about four or 5,000 crocs left in the wild um, because they got, they got shot pretty hard. Anyone that saw a crocodile, they'd shoot it. Um, there's croc hunters and... Now we've got different um, programs with Indigenous as far as crop farming, um, the egg collection and all that sort of stuff that is for skin and meat. But what that does is give incentive back to the landowners to look after the wild population of crocodiles because they get a reward for having crocodile eggs on their property and the crop farms pay them for their eggs. So the wild population gets looked after. And since this, is um, we've got now probably a hundred and 50,000 crocodiles in just in the Northern Territory of Australia that, um, you know, the numbers have come back really healthy and it's, it's great to see. But the problem is now you've got people thinking or the public thinking there's too many crocodiles and we should start culling them. We're like, no, 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 no. We've just, we've just spent the last 40 years getting these crocs back to the, a healthy, sustainable level. Why would you start shooting the wild population? It takes 10 years for a female to start laying eggs, to start producing, so to hit maturity. So you start wiping out that, you, you're going to wipe out generations. Matt and his team are on the front line protecting the crocodiles. It's amazing. Massive thanks to him, by the way. Lovely. Really film. enjoyed him. And you can check out the show Wild Croc Territory on Netflix. It's well worth a watch. You can follow Matt on Instagram for videos of his encounters with the crocodiles at Matt Wright. And if you're ever in the Northern Territories, you can check out the Top End Safari Camp at Top End Safari Camp. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 